Sunbird Sound Off live on 790 ESPN with Eric Bentley begins now. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Sunbird Sound Off Live. We were off last week because baseball was wrapping things up. It was Senior Day on Wednesday, so we had to take a week off. Happy to be back here. We've got a fun show lined up for you here. Sitting in studio right now, we've got Chloe Sharp and we've got Brett Lombardi. On the way are Coach Ray Winter and Danae Manabog-Gatewood. So, That's going to be fun. We're going to talk nationals because obviously you guys are going to head over to Michigan and represent in nationals. So again, we'll we'll get to that here in a second once the rest of the crew gets here. But I mentioned uh, baseball happening uh, this past week. Uh, That was their final series of the season. They needed to take two games at least from uh, the fourth-ranked Point Loma in order to you know, extend their season and try and get a chance at getting in the regional. Unfortunately for the Sunbirds, they were swept by Point Loma on Tuesday and Wednesday in both of those doubleheaders. So the Sunbirds finished the season 500 in conference play, but there was a really cool moment that happened in the last game of the season, and it was... Khalid Johnson, who set the Pac West single season record for stolen bases in a season. He needed two steals in the seven inning game on Wednesday. He got two steals in back to back innings, 34 successful steals in 37 attempts. He was just so great for this Fresno Pacific Sunbird team. And that's probably why he was named to the first team All Pac West team. Uh, he hit 342 for the Sunbirds. Again, like I was saying, he was a threat to steal a bag. Khalid Johnson. And a really fantastic season for the Sunbirds. Jared Aguilar and Justin Fusen were also named to the first team. Aguilar, the utility fielder, uh, he uh, he uh, he plays first. He goes into pitch some games too. He's the primary first baseman, um, but they do throw him in the rotation. And he pitched well throughout the season. And then Justin Fusen, he was kind of the ace for this Sunbird staff. Threw a no hitter in the first start of 2022. He had a really strong season. Opponent batting average against only 219, only 22 earned runs allowed. He struck out 29 batters looking. And so Justin Fusen, obviously there's a reason why he's the ace. Second team All-Pack West goes to the Sunbirds second baseman, Tommy Rover. A strong freshman campaign as the Sunbirds primary second baseman. And in third team, four Sunbirds round out the third team. Andrew Lackey, Andrew Valdez, Matt McGrady, and Garrett Cooper. All of them doing a little bit of everything for the Sunbirds. And I think it's only fitting, you know, obviously, if you're Fresno Pacific, the season didn't necessarily finish exactly how you might have wanted it. But I think that this is a very deserving, very deserving awards, I should say, for the eight Sunbirds that were named to the All-Pac West Conference teams. Some more Sunbirds were named All-Pac West Conference. And I'll give you a hint. We're going to talk about track and field because that's where they were. We're going to talk track and field. We're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back again, like I said, Ray Winter, Brett Lombardi, Danae Manabach, Gatewood, Chloe Sharp in studio as the Sunbird track and field team gets ready for nationals. Oh, I forgot to mention the second guest. Second half hour, it's going to be Coach Haydock. We're going to talk a little off-season men's basketball, see how things are going in the off-season, see if there's any new faces that we should be on the lookout for next season. But before we get there, track and field coming up next on the Sunbird Sound Off Live. 
At Alpha Graphics Fresno, the success of your business is your biggest priority and ours as well. Alpha Graphics Fresno is a locally owned creative company offering custom print, design, signs, and marketing solutions. Almost anything that's awesome. We truly care about product quality, customer satisfaction, and establishing long-term partnerships with our clients. Visit us at 3950 North Chestnut Diagonal, Suite 107, or give us a call today at 559-476-2900. Connect with Alpha Graphics and be awesome.com Sunbird Sound Off live on 790 ESPN Welcome back here to the Sunbird Sound Off Live. The gang's all here now. Everybody is ready to go. We're going to talk some track and field. The Sunbirds uh, just wrapped up at the last chance meet. That was the last time that they were out there. And they're going to be sending a couple of players over to Michigan for nationals. And before we get there, I was mentioning some of the PacWest conference awards that were given out to the baseball team. Um, Obviously, track and field got some of those awards, too. Coach, um, as always, uh, we'll start with you, and I'm sure that you probably don't want to start here, but I got to ask you anyway. Um, you were named the Women's Co-Coach of the Year, and that was coming after being named the Men's Cross-Country Coach of the Year earlier in the fall. So, you know, before you kind of get into the typical coach, it's such an honor to coach these players. We all know where it's going to go. What does that kind of mean, though, to you, you know, kind of looking at yourself and saying, hey, okay, you know, I'm I'm blessed with this talent, and we're able to go out there and, and achieve some really cool things yeah immediately I just point to my staff because I just it's a team effort man it's amazing especially in track and field track and field it's like you know it's six sports in one it's it's absolutely amazing today I'm standing over by coach AJ Blackburn in the pole vault and um, Brett's Brett's over there dialing in some stuff and and I'm like yeah you know clap my hands like doing great that's what I have to offer you know so when I win a coaching award it's kind of like that this is absolutely team effort. So my AD actually asked me, so told me the other day, we, we met up uh, yesterday and he said, oh, hey, I haven't said it yet, you know, congrats on that. And I said, did you get a, an award or anything? And I was like, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I, I re- so I don't really think too much about that. Definitely proud of what we're getting done though with these student athletes. All right, so some of the other awards um, that your team uh, was able to grab. Uh, Kyla Richardson, PacWest Women's Track Athlete of the Year. Ziamara Young, Women's Freshman of the Year. Bo Olson, Men's Track Freshman of the Year. Um, what's it like to have such young talent? Obviously, you get you have two Freshmen of the Year on both yeah. sides of things, and then you've got Kyla doing her thing as a junior. Uh, what is that depth like, and what's that feeling like to have such young talent? It's exciting. I mean, this year, this graduating class, uh, particularly on the women's side, is it's like the hardest one because they're legacy athletes uh, and they've, they've created the program that is, they, they've been absolute all-timers, uh, kind of first ballot kind of crew. And so they're doing what they're supposed to do. They're, they're graduating and they're moving on to the next step. And so to have a freshman of the year is indicative of what we're trying to do each year and build and, um, and be really that diverse program that's well-balanced and uh, come at things from many facets and um, attack from the field and the track and uh, I am excited about this recruiting class I'm trying to win that award more than any award I say if I'm trying to win something if I can win the freshman of the year every year that's that means the most to me it tells me about the program and where we're always going always building and we stand on the shoulders of of giants like Miss Sharp and 
Miss Manabot, Gatewood, etc. You know, um, so that was pretty cool. And uh, yeah, for for us to have a, a male as well um, on the track, same idea, same thing for Bo um, Ziamara in the field. Super exciting and certainly well deserving. All right, so before we get to the three of you who obviously are, are going to nationals, um, a couple more that aren't in studio that are going as well, so give them a shout-out now. Kyla Richardson, Madison Flores, Yamara Young, Alicia Garcia as well. So those are going to be the others that are going to nationals. Coach, before we start talking a little bit more about what's to come uh, next week, I was looking at kind of the recaps and, and stuff. I saw that there were – you had a few people on, on both the men's and the women's side who came very close – to qualifying for nationals, but just, you know, you know, maybe an, an in short here or, you know, a, a split second, you know, you know, behind the le- leader or somebody. Um, I was looking, you had um, Gianna Dickinson or Dixon, I beg your pardon, Brian Banuelos, um, Mo Bradley and Isaac Davis were were all, all kind of in the mix. And I read yeah. that Isaac actually ran the same time as two other qualifiers, but lost out on a tie break. How exactly does that work? Because I was a little confused reading that. Yeah, I mean, I'm still, my stomach is still turning from it. It's been 24 hours since the, uh, the selections came out, and I still can't fully wrap my mind around it, but the NCAA takes 377 per gender to the meet, down to the person. So they have these pretty intense tie-breaking situations and they have to find a spot somewhere and so unfortunately we um, had two athletes that are going to stay home uh, because of a tie-breaking kind of like situation which is unfathomable and don't know how to explain that to to those two that that's um, you know I can show them the handbook and go down to 11 point B dash one four and it's like there it is that's that's why you're staying home so that's really really hard when they've done the exact same performance and and yet they don't get to to go so, uh, but that, that's our sport, right? It's so unforgiving, it's quantifiable, it's measurable, you can't hide. And uh, at the end of the day, it's like, we, we've just got to put as much as we can out there and make it to where it's never going to be something that we're left, we're left out and we're left home. So those, they're certainly deserving and worthy. But uh, like I said in a, a message to the team last night, hey, those who are going, as always, always rep everybody, and we've got all of them on our sleeve, on our heart. You know, we're going to compete with them, for them, and uh, I think there's there's something there. So maybe it's a little chip on his shoulder, it's a little edge, it's a little bit more fire um, because we love each other and and we know what we're putting down to get out there and and do what we do. So I'm I'm very excited and confident and certain of what's going to happen when we get there. Um, that's what we're made of, and that's how we prepared. So we'll, we'll do it. All right, so Brett, let's bring it uh, over to you. You can swing whichever mic your way. There we go. Um, so, so let's bring it. Let's bring it over to you. We'll start here. You are seated fifth after your seven thousand one hundred ninety point decathlon performance at the Brian Clay Invitational. That's a Fresno Pacific school record. Um, were you able to tap into a little something extra that day, or or, or, or what was going on? Oh man, throughout a decathlon, there's like just so much that goes on and so many good things. And along with that comes a couple of bad things. And, um, you know, the, the performance itself wasn't surprising. I mean, we've been on course for that for a couple years now and, um, just finally got to put it together and, uh, definitely still have some room to improve and stuff like that. So, I mean, it was very exciting to go out and just finally piece it together and have that number on paper and, 
yeah, it was exciting. All right, so uh, we were talking a little bit uh, before we got on air. You were saying that you just came from practice. What is practice <laughs> like for a, a decathlon athlete? Because obviously you've got to try and get really good at 10 different things and then you know compete against others who are doing the same thing. What's kind of your, your training like, and, and how, how is it difficult to, to get the stamina to to be a decathlete? Shoot, uh, I don't know if we even have enough time in the segment to talk about it, but... <laughs> Um, lots of two a days, lots of two a days. I mean, this week in particular, it's been like 9:30 a.m. sprints and hurdles and stuff like that, and trying to squeeze in some jumps after that, and um, taking some rest, seeing some ATs, getting some recovery, rapid recovery, and stuff like that. Getting a good meal in my system to refuel and get going back on the track. And then, like today, we went out and pole vaulted at 3:30 and just had some quick cleanup stuff. But um, yeah, throughout the season, there's sometimes one, two, three sessions in a day where we're just working hard and there's a lot of things to learn in each and every event um just to like like for the athletes that are doing only that it's a lot and so as a deck you just kind of have to fake it till you make it and just <laughs> hope for the best when you go out there every time but yeah a lot lots lots of work and lots of good nutrition that's behind not, that. well he's not faking anything <laughs> <laughs> okay you also brought up athletic trainers in, in your in your answer which I, I i never think they get enough love you don't know how much they do until you're actually around a team and see what they do so shout out athletic trainers out there brett do you have a favorite event of the 10 that you prefer to compete in more than the others Oh, and if man, so, why? Man. Oh, I, I mean, I love going out and doing all of it. That's why I do it. I'm just in love with it. But uh, Javelin's a fun one. I mean, shoot, just getting a spear out there just like a freaking caveman is, is a lot of fun. <laughs> just throwing it and screaming. And yeah, either that that or the pole vault. Those are two uh, just really fun, technical and fun, fun events. Yeah. Do you have a least favorite? <laughs> shot put, shot put, for sure. Uh, actually, put? I'm going to start a petition this year to get shot put out of the decathlon. Um, Just because it's your score. Come yeah, on. no, it's terrible. It's terrible. I hate shot put. <laughs> All right, so Danae, we'll bring it over to you now. You've been quietly sitting there waiting. Um, you're going to be competing in a few events uh, next week, the 200 and the 400, as well as with Chloe in the 4x100 and the uh, 4x400. But we'll start with you individually. You finished first in the uh, PacWest Championships with a 53-6-3 in the 400. Do you have a number in mind that you're kind of shooting for next week? My thing this year is that I don't like to set limitations on myself. So I like to have like a bigger goal. So for me, for me, that's uh, dipping under the 53s, um, just knowing that I don't have limitations to even go further than that into 51. Um, I hit the paces at practice to go 52s, so I really just want to see that on paper. Um, and once I hit that, that's going under another border, and, you know, we keep going on. So once I hit that border, it's kind of like, okay, then how can I get faster? How can I improve? How can I progress? Is there a difference in training between training for the 200 and training for the 400, or are you basically kind of doing pretty much the same thing when you're, when you're out there training? Um, I'm basically doing the same thing. I'm a main 400 runner. Um, so other than running a few 150s, I'm kind of just sprinkled in there a little bit. Um, so yeah, I just kind of go with what I have and try to keep up with the pack. So the, so the 400, what you like that you're, you're, you're all 400 then? Yeah, for that, the most part. Well, not all four, but that's, you know, if you had to pick between 200 and 400, 
which one would you run? I'd probably go the 400, yeah. Oh, yeah see, there we go. All right. Uh, Chloe, we'll bring it over to, uh, to you. Um, you'll also be running um, in the 400 as well as those two relays. Um, you last ran a 54-5-1 at the PacWest Championships. Uh, same kind of question that I asked today. Do you have uh, a number in mind for this upcoming week or next week, I should say? Or is it kind of the same thing? You're, you're just going to go out there and run your best. Yeah, I mean, similar to today, we try not to set limitations on ourselves in terms of our uh, numerical goals. Uh, I definitely want to go under 54, and I know that's definitely feasible because at practice we hit those paces, like Danae said, every day. Um, so I'm really excited to go out there and try to get that 53. All right, so obviously now both of you guys have the mics in front of you. You're sitting on opposite sides of the table, but uh, you, you guys can both talk at the same time because obviously now we're going to talk um, about those two relays. Um, how much chemistry goes into running those relays between the four of you, whether it be 4x100, four 4x400? By four by how much chemistry goes into it, and how important is that to really get along with the rest of the girls you're running with? Whoever wants to answer, feel free. Chemistry is so important, and I'll just tell a funny story kind of. Um, Danae and I have actually been running since middle school together. <laughs> so we've done quite a few relays together over the years, so that chemistry is very, very strong and you know, we've been running with other girls for two plus years as well. So we really have that experience and seniority over a lot of other teams that are going to be there. So I think that's going to be a huge advantage going into there. Yeah. So Danae, what's that like, you know, getting to play, you know, from teenage years all, all the way into college with somebody that you're very familiar with? You kind of grow up together. You see different seasons of life. You see them go through trials, triumphs, and you get to see how they grow from that. So like Chloe said, you get to see how that chemistry strengthens um, in regards to new teammates, we've also seen like our verse of the year for the past two years has been has been as iron sharpens iron, so one friend sharpens another. Uh, we did a Bible study last week on really delving into that whole chapter and how much like the atmosphere, the encouragement, the the like mindedness, the the pushing, no limitations has really progressed. Not only like our relays, but our individuals. So. All right, so obviously it's the the two of you along with uh, Kyla and Madison. Is there one of the four of you that kind of pushes the other three any harder, or is it kind of like a collective effort to try and, you know, keep everybody lifted up? I would say it's a collective effort. Um, everybody has kind of their own strengths when it comes to training. You know, some people are more um, tuned in with the short sprints, while some people are more in tune with the aerobic side of things. And then even in the weight room, we each have our own strengths in that way. So it's really good because we just kind of work off one another and we just keep raising the bar, raising the bar in every aspect of our training. All right. So this is kind of a broad question. I know I've already asked you guys if you had, you know, a specific number or a time or, or, or anything like that. But before I ask coach this same question, I want to ask you guys first and kind of get the gauge of how the team is feeling. Um, how prepared do you think that the seven of you guys are to, to go out and represent in Michigan and represent the Central Valley? Because I know that's something that Coach has, has talked about. You know, you want to make the Central Valley proud. How ready do you think the seven of you guys are? Obviously, I'm talking to only three of you, but that's close enough to a majority. Whoever wants to t take it away, whoever wants it. I think that we train every day, double days, six days a week, to be prepared for every meet. So, like, moving into nationals – we know the stakes, but we also know like we're prepared to do this. We've put in the work, we put in the effort, we put in the blood, sweat, and tears. So when we do show up for nationals, it's just kind of like we're ready to go. 
All right, Coach, we'll bring it back to you. It's kind of funny now that I'm looking at my notes. You actually answered the question earlier in this interview, but I'm going to ask it anyway. I, I'll read it verbatim. I said, Coach, I'll ask you, how ready do you think your teams are? And from your perspective, when it gets to a situation like this, are you more of a coach or more of a cheerleader trusting the preparation that they have all done throughout the season? You kind of answered that, but can you expand on it a little more? Oh, man, you should see me at a track meet. I don't have anything to offer. I'm just screaming. That's, you know, I'm, I'm cutting splits on the watch, but at that point, there coaches don't even need to really be there if we've done our job. And that's how these three carry themselves. I know we will be great because of what I saw this morning in the workout. You know, they were out there just, confidence comes from preparation. We are as prepared as we can possibly be. Again, the utmost confidence in my coaching staff, Coach Robert Foster in particular, with the, the relays and the sprints and the hurdles uh, for all three of these these studs, man, uh, he's, he's the best at what he does. and. They're ready. They're ready in mind, body, and spirit. So I can't wait for just the show to go on, like push play. I can't wait to watch the movie unfold. I already know the narrative. I know the ending. Can't wait to watch it unfold, though. It's, it's going to be fun. All right, so we'll bring it back to you three now. Um, I ask this question to a lot of athletes that come on the show, and it's always kind of funny to see who jumps up and wants to answer first and who has to take a little bit of time to think about it. I will say no duplicate answers. So whoever answers first, you, you can't use the same story. You guys are looking scared. It's really not that bad. I'm just going to say, name a fun memory that stands out throughout the course of this season. Whoever wants to speak up for it could be a personal achievement that was on the track. It could have been, yeah, you know, a bunch of us, you know, went out and got dinner or, you know, or watched a movie. Something like, you know, when you're thinking of this season up until this point, what's one memory that kind of stands out and comes to mind that maybe people, you know, a fun story? Um, so my favorite memory is probably from West Coast Relays at Buchanan this year. It was kind of a turning point for our entire, our entire sprints group. Um, all of us PR'd on that day and really broke through those barriers that we had been chasing for almost two years. Danae had went under 54 that day, and then Maddie and I both went under 55. And then from that point on, it was just the momentum was just rolling the rest of the season and PR one after another. So Yeah, I mean, it yeah. seems like it's been rolling. So, yeah, I, I like that. Who, who's next? You guys are both looking. We can pass a mic. Okay, let, let's hear it, Brett. Uh, I'm going to go with Isaac Davis's 100 meter at conference. Um, oh, my goodness. I think I PR'd in the 100 uh, when I was running towards him after he finished. I mean, when we saw that 10-3-7 on the clock, uh, I mean, not only the team erupted, but the entire stadium erupted, and I, like, sprinted over there and picked him up, and we were all screaming and uh that was a good moment. I mean, it wasn't even my performance. It's just something that'll stick with me for forever and just seeing everybody and how they rallied around him. And yeah, yeah, that was a definite highlight of the year. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah. That, no, that's awesome. I mean, I get excited when I'm calling games, you know. Yeah, I'm not even on the team. I don't even go to school at Fresno Pacific, but I get just as excited. All right, Danae, you're the last one up. You've had some time to think. What do you got for us? I have. Um, I would say... One of the funniest things has been the energy that our sprints coach brings to the group. Um, even today at practice, you know, we're going through our 290 rep. It's like near maximal pace. And all you see is him jumping like so far and screaming at you to hit these paces. And I always get a flashback at when we're running the four by one. And here's this guy on the stadium steps trying to record, you know, our relay handoffs. And I go up to him and I'm like, hey, so like, did you record this video? He's like, no, I fell off the bleachers. <laughs> and all you see is him, in the video him recording, and all of a sudden you hear, ah! <laughs> <laughs> so. 
All right, so so coach coach is laughing, but don't get too comfortable there because you're starting to look oh. a little comfy. You you've been on the show a couple of times. I'm gonna throw this one up to to you three again. Um, and again, I'm not trying to get you in trouble. I'm not trying to get myself in trouble. But do any of you have like a funny coach winter story that is sharing? Coaches coaches saying nothing funny about me. It's there's nothing funny. There's there there hasn't been a funny moment where you're like, oh, coach, come on. Well. Okay. Well, well, there goes. They're they're all. I mean, yeah. You know, if I'm reading the room, then I think that was a a fail. A a fail of a question. He's he's doing paperwork in his office. That's that's the funniest story. You know what? That wouldn't be the first time. That wouldn't be the first time I swung and missed on a question. I think I had Mason Ricks in here, and I was reading her bio, and it said she liked The Bachelorette, and I was going to try and give her like a fun fact. Like I actually went to school with one of the guys who was a contestant, and she goes. I haven't watched this season. And I'm like, well, okay, cool. Live radio. Gotta love it. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just threatening these guys so they don't, you know, put me out there. Yeah, I know. Again, it's my job. I have to ask. Sometimes sometimes someone will take the bait. Um, obviously, you guys going up to Michigan, uh, best of luck. Um, that's coming up May 26th through the 28th Nationals. You guys, obviously, based on your body language and your confidence, I think you guys are ready to go over there and kill it. So I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what you guys do. Thanks, man. Thank you. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you guys for coming on. It's been fun. Coach Ray Winter, Brett Lombardi, Danae Banabog, Gatewood, Chloe Sharp. They will be headed to Michigan next week for the Division II Championships Nationals. So best of luck to them. We'll take a quick break, and then we'll come back and talk a little bit of off-season men's hoops with Coach C.J. Haydock on the Sunbird Sound Off Live. Hello, I'm Joe Haydock, license number 02013076. My wife, Cynthia, and I own and operate Haydock Real Estate. Hi, I'm Cynthia Haydock, license number 01358518. Haydock Real Estate protects your interests by handling your transaction with competence and kindness. We invite you to call us at 559-392-5283 to learn how our thoughtful approach can help you sell or buy your next home. Call Haydock Real Estate today at 559-392-5283. Back the Birds on 790 ESPN. Now we're going to talk a little off-season men's basketball with Coach C.J. Haydock. Obviously, Coach has been on the show quite a bit, but that was during the season. It's It's been almost two months since the loss to Academy of Art in the Pac West tournament. So, Coach, um, thank you uh, for joining us. And how have you enjoyed your two months, or have you been able to enjoy your two months since uh, the end of the season? <laughs> yeah, uh, good to be back, that's for sure. Uh, you know, I mean, I think, like, the school year is just a sprint. Uh, it never stops. But, you know, we had graduation uh, about a week ago. Uh, and that kind of begins like our, 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 if there is a slow season in college athletics, it's May. Um, and so, you know, lots of recruiting, lots of trying to close out our budget year, finalize scheduling for next year before it starts to pick up again, uh, in June. So yeah, just been, you know, a journey. We, we graduated, uh, we had nine guys get degrees, some who are moving on, some who are returning. We had an alumni from a couple of years ago, uh, last Saturday, uh, and so that was a that was a pretty cool moment for our program to have to have nine guys walk across the stage and 
Um, just a just a good reminder of why you do what you do, um, uh, for sure. Yeah, and that brings me to my next point. I saw um, a picture that you posted on Twitter a couple of days ago of you and all of your guys in their in their cap and gowns. And as gratifying as a big win or you know an appearance in the Pac West or the NCAA tournament, it is. How satisfying is it to see uh, your guys earn their degrees? Man, I mean, it's it's everything, right? Like we. <laughs> We talk a lot about in recruiting. We try to be really clear with the guys we recruit. Like, hey, like, we're not for everybody. But if we're for you, we're going to be everything for you. And, and we love guys who have big dreams, who want to be world changers. And so, you know, like, you know, we talk our, our program value that we come back to that we say all the time is first things stay first. And so, you know, we have guys getting this year graduate degrees and undergraduate degrees. We have guys transitioning into master's degree programs. So to see, you know, I just finished year six and um, I'm a year away from being the longest tenured head coach in Fresno Pacific men's basketball history. And so to be in that place, um, you know, it's powerful beyond measure. It's humbling. Uh, it's all those things. And, you know, TJ Viney is one of those graduates who came back, who played for us. Um, he was a senior in my first year as head coach. And to see him, he came back and did his master's degree in strategic and organizational leadership. And we've joked for years that TJ uh, is going to be the mayor of Fresno one day. And he's got a great corporate career going. And he's in that photo with guys who, you know, never played with him, who were high school juniors when he was a senior at FBU. And he's got hugs and love because of the family atmosphere we've built and because of the value we put in those alumni. So without a doubt, that graduation day uh, that we just experienced is, is one of the coolest moments um, of my career. Making the tournament is awesome. Having guys sign pro contracts is incredible. Winning awards is awesome. But I, I'm not sure there's a better day than what we experienced last, last Saturday, if I'm being pretty transparent. All right. So you mentioned uh, recruiting and obviously, you know, uh, you can't play collegiate sports if you're not actually going to class. Um, but as a coach, how big of a responsibility is it for you uh, not only to gain the trust of your players, but also their families, you know, knowing that they're going to send their kid away and they know that you're going to be there to keep them on the right track? Oh, man. Uh, that's an excellent question. Uh, it's everything, right? Like I have a nine and a seven year old. Um, I'm a father one day I'll make that college decision. And so, and, you know, we do a bunch of international work <laughs> and we have guys from literally, you know, our niche at Fresno Pacific for men's basketball has been, we do a great job with local kids, keeping them home to represent their city. And we'll go anywhere to find elite people and players. So, you know, this last year we graduated guys from Edinburgh, Scotland and from Virginia and, from all over the place. Well, like if, if you're going to do things the right way, if, 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 if you're invested in young people, I don't know that I feel a more powerful burden or sense of obligation than to those families that send our guys who we, who we look in the eye and we say, Hey, like we're going to be the best program in the country at developing your son. And, and we're not talking about X's and O's and, and making jumpers and defending ball screens. We're talking about developing him as a man and a leader. He's going to get our everything and we're going to be the best at it the sense of obligation that you feel to parents to live up to that is huge, you know? And so Alex Ferguson is one of our graduates last week. Um, his parents come over from Edinburgh, Scotland, 
and, uh, you know, able to have a meal with them to celebrate him at his graduation, to share how much he's meant to our program, uh, to, to hear that we've stewarded him well and guided him and loved him. You know, those moments, you know, it's just like the graduation thing. Those are everything to us because we just, we feel like our mission at Fresno Pacific is so much bigger uh, than winning games. And don't get me wrong, winning games is part of it. <laughs> uh, but, but, but it's bigger than that. Um, and we never want to lose sight of that. All right, so uh, on senior day, uh, obviously, A.J. Kirby, Sean Dillon Lino, Garrett Cook, Alex Ferguson, Jelani Watson, Gale, those were the seniors who were honored on senior day. But like you were saying, you had a handful of more guys, um, you know, getting their degrees. Um, you lose a lot of talent in, in those five guys, but you still have a whole lot of talent on your team. Um, before we get to some of the newer acquisitions, uh, do you have your eyes on a couple of returning players that maybe you've seen take a, take some nice strides in the uh, in the off season, or are you kind of waiting until, like you said, after graduation, and then you'll start to kind of evaluate? Um, I mean, I think there's three proven seniors returning: uh, Darren Person Jr., Spencer Heimerdinger, Nate Kendricks. Um, you know, I think all three of those guys have all league caliber senior seasons in them. Uh, Nate's been an all-league guy. I think Darren, uh, in the second half of this season, rounded into an all-league form and shape. So I think those are, like, the ones we know. Um, And then I would say there's two guys that we think, maybe three, that had big-time spring uh, seasons with us developmentally that are going to go have big summers and maybe jump into a huge role. Um, Ryan Abbott. Um, our freshman from Australia, who's been tremendous in year one. I think he was fourth in our team uh, in minutes played, uh, averaged six points and four rebounds. Uh, he was maybe our best player in spring workouts. And he, you know, we, we have pretty big hopes that he's going to turn into eventually an all league caliber player. He's back home in Australia and he'll play um, in what's called NBL one, which is a, which is a pro level um, without getting paid to maintain his eligibility. So he'll have a massive summer um, getting coached up, working hard, getting better. So we have big hopes for him to make a jump and grow into a bigger role. Um, Martin Nade came to us last year, and, you know, he played quite a bit. Uh, I think he was, he was about a 14-minute-a-night guy. But it, his season was disrupted several times, had a hamstring injury, got a concussion, some other things. So we have hopes that Martin, you know, um, as a Division One transfer from Liberty, has, a, has some more growth in him. He's tremendously talented. He's very skilled. Um, you know, I think we, we play a really – modern style that's really challenging so we're hopeful that a year in our system is going to lead to some growth uh and then the last one is is seth morantos who came to us from bakersfield christian and actually registered this last year uh mainly and, and you know seth was a rotation guy for us in practice uh but we had two you know we had i would argue the best guard in the league and jelani watson gale and then nate kendricks who's for sure an all-league caliber guard so we felt like it was in seth's best interest to, to redshirt which is always challenging um, but he was capable of playing this last year. We just didn't feel like burning a year to play five or six minutes a night was worth it for him. And so we've got those three that we hope make a big jump. Um, and then obviously we'll get some new guys in the mix as well. Um, we'll count on our seniors pretty heavy. Um, but yeah, we, we feel confident about the place our culture is. We feel confident about the play, way our guys communicate about our trust in each other, about their work ethic. But, but you know, like you said, you graduate five seniors, uh, some guys have to get better, and they've got to they got to pay a steep price this summer in order to do that. So, we got some hope um, from from how our spring segment went. We had a we had a great performance in the weight room. Our metrics got way better. We had good on court growth, um, but you know it's on them to walk it the next three months when we're not able to work with them um, on the floor. 
All right, Coach. So I was looking here at some of the uh, some of the articles that have been put out. Looks like you guys have uh, signed a couple of new players to the program. Can you give us any insight on a couple of the fresh faces uh, that you guys have for the 2022 season? Yeah, we got we have four. We've announced we have one more that we're waiting for the NC2A to approve us to talk about that we're pretty excited about. So you'll have to you have to bring me back and we'll, I love it. Yeah, we'll have that conversation. Uh, we have, but the four we're allowed to talk about, uh, I think like kind of epitomize how we've grown as a program. I, I think from a big picture perspective, right? Like our job is to add value to our university. Our, our job is to continually grow our program. And, uh, you know, for, for the first couple of years, we were trying to stabilize and be competitive and jump into the upper tier of the Pac West. And we've done that. And now it's our job to figure out how to win the league. And so uh, with growth comes new challenges. Um, and so, you know, I think this new group, so we have four freshmen incoming, um, and I think it kind of epitomizes the areas of success, right? And so historically in recruiting, we've done a really good job with guys who were under-recruited. Amande Coleman and Adrian Antunes, who left our program as the second and fifth leading scorers in school history, those guys came to us without a single other scholarship offer. They didn't have any other four-year schools recruiting them. And credit to them, we hit on who we thought they were as humans. They were workers, and they got they became incredible players. And so uh, we really think that's a lane that's been good to us. Um, so we have two guys that, that didn't have a ton of recruiting options that we really believe in, that we really want to bet on who they are as humans. Um, those guys are Gabriel Kiet, who's coming to us from Modern Day High School, which is a powerhouse in Southern California. Incredible human. Uh, we actually He actually reminds us quite a bit of A.J. Kirby, um, who's one of the hardest people to, to replace. High IQ, got a potential to turn into a really good – uh, maybe elite defensive guard and wing eventually um, played point guard and was captain at modern day um, played with a really good club program. So we're really excited about him. Um, didn't have the, the college recruitment. We felt he should have. So we're, we're happy he's coming <laughs> that we got that done. Uh, and then we picked a, a, a forward, a big up a six, nine kid out of Australia. His name's Harrison Panisi, um, who, who we picked out from <laughs> the middle of nowhere in, in Australia, um, <laughs> banging down doors to find him. Uh, and he's a great fit for how we play very much in the Spencer Heimerdinger mold where he shoots it and can make plays and passes and um, got a great body and moves well. Um, you know, it, it came down to whether he was going to come to America to play for us, sign a developmental basketball uh, uh, contract or, uh, or, or play professional Australian rules football. So that tells you about his <laughs> <laughs> athletic ability and ability to move. So we feel like we've done what we, what we do at Fresno Pacific where we found um, a couple of under the radar gems that we really think can develop into really good players. And then I think the the new endeavor and the new frontier for us is the other two we've signed are Isaac Peralta, who's a point guard and Kyle Monk. And those were both like hard fought recruiting victories for us um, over very, very good <laughs> division two programs. Um, and with Isaac, even some division one programs where we really had to compete for those guys. Um, in order to get them at Fresno Pacific. And we just feel like, you know, if we want to take our program where we want to be, top 25 in the country, uh, repeated national tournament uh, appearances, win the league, you know, we're going to have to succeed in both of those genres. And so uh, Kyle comes to us from Gregory High School in Modesto. Uh, he had every Division two in California recruiting him. Uh, uh, Big-time talent. He makes threes. Um, you know, he, he's a big-time athlete. Uh, he, he's going to be an instant impact guy. We're, we're very confident and we're very confident on his level of work. Um, you know, uh, we beat out, I think it really came down to us and Chico state who's, you know, a top 10 program in the country the last couple of years. So that's a huge recruiting win for us. 
and, and we're really confident that Kyle's going to turn into an all-league caliber player. Uh, and then Isaac Peralta comes to us from Coronado High School, which is in Las Vegas. Uh, Isaac had a ton of Division One offers and interest, UC Santa Barbara and Southern Utah, Columbia, Penn. Um, just a tremendous win for us. Um, Daniel Dyke, one of our assistants, has done an incredible job on the recruiting trail. And so um, Isaac's coming to us uh, as a point guard. We think he's got a chance to be a very, very good Division II player. Um, I think when we announced that signing, I, I don't know that I've gotten as much as many texts from my peers in this industry of how did you get Isaac Peralta <laughs> to come to Fresno Pacific? I don't know that it's ever been received out like that. And so, yeah, those are our four freshmen. So, you know, traditionally we've been built on predominantly freshmen. We've got a couple more slots to go to fill out our class, but we feel really confident that that's a, that's as strong as a freshman crew as we've ever signed. And we, we, now it's our job to kind of shepherd them and get them to campus and make sure they're growing and, and ready to go day one um, uh, to, to contribute. What's it like for you as a coach to have, you know, brought Fresno Pacific from where it was when you started to the point that it's at now where, you know, you're playing postseason games and you're out recruiting, uh, you know, other schools or like you said, winning, you know, some recruits to, to come to Fresno Pacific other than going elsewhere. What's that like for you to kind of see, you know, how this program has grown from when you started to where it is now? That's a really hard question. Um, you know, like when I started as a basketball coach, I was a 19 year old coaching division five JV high school as an assistant. So like <laughs> to be, <laughs> I spent 11 years coaching high school basketball and coaching fifth grade club teams and, you know, just trying to give anyone to give me a chance. So on, like, on a personal level, uh, it's incredibly rewarding and humbling I'm incredibly grateful to our administration who have, who have really, who really wanted to hang in there. Right. I mean, our first two years, we won seven games, uh, seven games in year one, seven games in year two. And there was pl- plenty of room for our administration to, to flinch at that. We didn't really turn the corner until our, my fifth year. And so, you know, it's, it's just an all in endeavor. Our community has been incredible. Our administration has been incredible, but it's, it's really humbling for a kid who had a lifelong dream. I mean, I knew I wanted to be a college basketball coach since I was 12. And so uh, to see the way our communities rallied around us, to see the people we get to inspire, um, to see our guys get degrees. uh, I don't think very many people get to say like, Oh oh yeah, I'm doing exactly what I wanted to do when, when I was 12. (laughs) Yeah. So that, that is, that is, that is humbling. Uh, It's incredible. There's a great sense of duty and purpose from that. Um, I think now I feel more of a burden than ever to sustain it because I see how much it means to so many people. All right, so obviously there's a lot to look forward to uh, coming up uh, next season, but now that you've had some time to kind of go back and you know maybe sit and think about um, what happened last season, is there one in-game moment that really kind of stands out to you? Because I was watching the uh, the year-in-review highlight that uh, Athletics put out, and Darren Person Jr.'s game-saving block made it on the highlight. And that was probably, for me personally, of all the games I was at, that was probably my favorite moment. Obviously, I wasn't on the road with you guys. Do you have one or two moments that after, you know, kind of sitting down and thinking about last season, are there one or two things that kind of stand out above the rest in your mind? Yeah, the one you mentioned <laughs> for a lot of reasons uh, to see Darren like triumph in that moment 
I'll tell you that beating Azusa feels about as good as any victory I've ever had in my career. Anytime it happens and we've done it, I think three consecutive years. Uh, so, you know, that moment, the drama of it, you know, we, the, the other crazy thing about that situation, we beat Azusa on our home floor. Azusa, I think finished a second in the league and only has three league losses is, is that, that I think maybe gets missed is we got out of our COVID lockdown on that Thursday. Oh yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that too. Saturday. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> when I looked back, like uh, I was thinking about that when the same thing that triggered you, the, the year in review video that came out, um, like we got a day of practice after 15 days off <laughs> and, and, and we beat, you know, a, a team that played in the sweet 16 um, of the NCAA tournament. And so, you know, that makes it sweeter. Darren's, Darren's um, coming off of injury makes it sweeter. Um, all of those things, uh, those make it sweeter. I think too, I think I've told this story before, but early in the season, we were ranking the regional poll for the first time. We were playing Dominguez Hills. Um, and Dominguez Hills was, was really talented this year. They hit some injuries at the end of the year. Otherwise, I think they probably would have been a, a tournament team as well. And um, it was like locked back and forth. It was a defensive struggle. And with like 45 seconds left, uh, Jelani hit a, what did what Jelani does. He made a ridiculous three. Uh, I think it put us up four or five with like 45 seconds to go. And in that moment, I knew, oh, we're winning this game. And it was going to put us to, I think, six and oh. Um, and it was the moment where as a coach, like you, you always think you know what your team is. And, and, but, but you don't know until you know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, that was the moment when I went, oh, no, we're, we're legit. We're, we're good again. Um, like we're a good basketball team. We got this guy who's going to make these shots. We're going to guard like this. We're going to compete with teams like this. We're, we're good. Um, so that's the other one that stands out. But yeah, that, the sweetness of that Azusa victory uh, is hard to top. That's for sure. All right. So if you enjoyed that, then make sure that you come back to the special events center when the Sunbirds take the floor again next season, because this team is trending up. There's a lot to look forward to coach. Good luck on the recruiting trail. Again, and for folks out there, make sure you keep your eye out because Coach teased that they're not done signing people yet. So make sure you keep an eye out for that, Coach. Great to have you back on as always, and hopefully we'll talk to you sometime soon. Always a joy with the best broadcaster on the West Coast. <laughs> Thanks, Coach. We'll take another quick break, and then we'll come back and kind of recap really what's left. There's really only track and field, but we'll touch on it again when we come back here on the Sunbird Sound Off Live. If you belong to a Mennonite Brethren, Mennonite, Brethren in Christ, or other Anabaptist church, and are looking for home or auto insurance, look no further than Mennonite Insurance. We insure our members' homes, churches, and our commitment is to provide you with competitively priced, superior insurance products with the highest quality service. Instant, no-obligation homeowner's estimate is available to you in 15 seconds at MennoniteInsurance.com. ESPN.
back here on the Sunbird Sound Off Live. We'll quickly close things out. Obviously, there's not a whole lot of things upcoming. Track and field will be on the road next week at Nationals, and obviously, you heard the down low on all of that. And so, I guess that's a, a thanks to Ray Winter, Coach Winter, Brett Lombardi, Danae Manabog, Gatewood, and Chloe Sharp for their time in studio. They will be going to Michigan along with a couple of other Sunbirds, Kyler Richardson, Madison Flores, Ziamara Young, and Alicia Garcia. Those seven will be representing the Sunbirds in Michigan at Nationals coming up next week. And then thanks to Coach Haydock. It's been a while since we talked to him, but always nice to catch up. We got two more episodes of the Sunbird Sound Off Live left this year. So with that, we'll see you same time, same place next week for the Sunbird Sound Off Live.